Welcome to the Chasing Presence podcast, co-hosted by Santiago and Mike. This is a space where we share our insights for how to live a more spiritually aligned life. Join us on our journey to expand consciousness, live with purpose, and awaken to our true nature. Welcome to another episode of Conscious Conversations on the Chasing Presence podcast, where we talk about all kinds of topics related to spirituality. We don't have a set agenda. We do have some notes and things that we want to cover today. And it's really, this is really just a time for us to talk about the things in our lives that have been coming up within our field of consciousness, different challenges, different insights. And hopefully by sharing our insights from our personal lives, you guys can gain some value from us doing that. So one of the things that I wanted to start off talking about is comfort zone challenges, because I am currently in, for those of you who don't know, I'm currently in an eight week coaching program that goes through eight different levels of transformation. And I am currently on week three of the program. And the theme of week three is anger or sorry, fear. The theme of week three is fear. And as a part of this program, I had to do a couple of comfort zone challenges. And then I also did two additional comfort zone challenges outside of the program just in the spirit of it being fear week. So I want to talk through these different um, challenges, uh, what they were, what came up for me when I did them, and some of the insights that I gained from doing them. So the first, uh, and I did these four days in a row, the fourth day being today. So four days ago, the first comfort zone challenge I did was I had to record a video of myself in public going over my top three biggest fears. So what I decided to do for this is I went to the mall and I went to the food court area where there's a lot of people standing around, walking around, eating, waiting in line. And I just recorded a video of myself going over three of my fears, my bigger fears or biggest fears. Um, And that video was probably only like a little over two minutes. It was pretty brief. And for me, that didn't really trigger a ton uh, just because I have already done TikTok videos in public. Um, So I was kind of prepped for this exercise, so to speak, but there was a little bit of self-consciousness that I felt, but nothing too crazy. So it was a, it was a cool comfort zone challenge, but nothing really, uh, life-changing or it wasn't anything too intense. And then the second comfort zone challenge I did was a really, a really fun one, but also a really triggering one, which was the free hugs challenge. So I had to create a sign that says free hugs on it. And I had to go to somewhere in public that has a lot of foot traffic. And I had to hold up the sign and try to get 10 free hugs from random strangers. Now, most people listening, I'd imagine just thinking about that challenge probably triggers some anxiety. Most people would not feel comfortable going into a crowded street and holding up a free hug sign and trying to get people to give them free hugs. And while I was doing it, I was also saying like free hugs, free hugs. I was very loud. I projected my voice. Like you're supposed to really kind of put yourself out there with this exercise. And I had a lot of a lot of fear for the one to two hours leading up to this comfort zone challenge. And once I got out there though, there was still anxiety, but it wasn't as bad once I was actually doing it. Once I was out there holding up the sign, trying to get the free hugs, the anxiety wasn't nearly as bad. Um, it was still there, but it, it was, it was manageable. And, you know, there were people who walked by who were kind of hesitant to give me one or were unsure. I had to kind of coax them into it. And then there were, there were some people who were more enthusiastic about it. I had this one girl run up to me. She's like, I'll give you one. And then she had four friends. So they all gave me one. Um, they were asking me like, Oh, so why are you doing this? I explained to them that I was part of this program and it's a comfort zone challenge. Um, and there was really only one person during this exercise 
that responded negatively to me. And, you know, honestly, if there were, let's say I got all the 10 hugs within 10 minutes and there were probably 40 to 50 people that walked by during that time, there was only one person who like said something kind of, I don't even really know what she said. I couldn't even really hear her. She kind of mumbled something, but that clearly had to do with her own issues and insecurities and maybe who knows what's going on in her mind. I can only assume, right? Like maybe she, maybe she thought I was like trying to pick her up or something, which was not the case at all. Um, so she was just projecting her own trauma onto me in that situation. But what I'd like to do, you know, the next time I do this challenge is I would like to, cause this one was a, was a number kind of exercise. Like you have to get 10 hugs and then you're done. Got them in 10 minutes, went away. What I'd like to do next time, cause I want to try this again one more time is going out for an hour and not, not focusing on how many hugs I get, but just standing there for an hour, not trying to convince anyone and just making it more of a timed approach. Like, can I just sit there for an hour and get comfortable? Because honestly, at the end of 10 minutes, I would, there was still anxiety there. I still wasn't fully comfortable in the experience. So next time I do it, I want to stand out there for an hour because I think that'll give me enough time to really just get comfortable standing there with a the sign rather than trying to just get a number of hugs and then walk away. So I would encourage people to try this challenge. I know it's it can be very triggering for a lot of people. There's a lot of internal resistance thinking about doing this type of thing, but you will realize that after doing it, it's actually not that bad. And then the third uh, comfort zone challenge that I did was um, I decided to go to an exotic pet store and hold a tarantula. So I've always had a fear of spiders, especially tarantulas ever since I was a kid. Um, I know my brother's going to be listening to this. My brother traumatized me. He he used to, there was this book we had when we were kids and it was like a spider book. And in the center page of that spider book, it was this giant purple, brown, black spider that covered the whole span of the book. And every time we would get, and my brother knew I hated that, that page of that book. So whenever we would get it, there were several times when whenever we get in an argument, there were a couple of times where he had left it on my bed open to that page. And I would just like freak out as a kid. So ever since then, I've always had like this fear of tarantulas. So I decided to go to this um, pet store and I was standing around for like, I even called a couple of days before and I was like, Hey, you know, if I go there, is it possible that I can hold one? And the guy was like, yeah, you know, you can, we can, we can find one for you to hold. And a couple of days later, I finally go to the store. I'm standing around there for like 10 minutes looking at these tarantulas. I'm like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this. You know, I didn't, I was just had a lot of, a lot of fear about actually doing the thing again. The anticipation was was pretty bad. And finally, one of the workers came up to me and he goes, Hey, can I help you? And it was the same. I could tell from his voice. It was the same guy that I had called on the phone. I was like, Oh yeah, I, I called you a couple days ago and asked if I could hold a tarantula. He was like, Oh yeah. He just zooms off, goes to one of the cages, pulls one out right away. I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready for this. He's like, it's kind of scary. He's like, it's not scary. We kind of talked to me about it a little bit, you know, and like we talked through like, well, what do you think is the worst thing that could happen? I was like, well, maybe it could bite me. And then eventually he kind of warmed me up to it. And then once he actually like opened his hand to have the tarantula crawl onto my hands, it I wasn't scared at all. Again, like once I was doing the thing, I was like, oh, this isn't bad at all. This isn't even that scary. And I even, there was even a part of me that's like, oh, this tarantula is like very vulnerable. Like it's, I could kill it right now in an instant. And uh, it really, that, that experience might have completely cured my fear of tarantulas. I mean, if I saw one in the wild, I'd probably still be a little bit cautious or whatever, but that was, that was a very profound, profound moment for me. And then the last, I know I'm, I'm talking a lot here, but I just want to go over all of these. So this last uh, comfort zone challenge that I did was 
I decided to, to take inspiration from Mike and I decided to go to a grocery store and lie down. So I actually went to, and this was today, like literally right before this podcast. So I went to a Sprouts first and I walked in and I was just like, ah, I can't do this. I just, I walked out. I was like, hey, I, just, I just had this resistance. I like left. I'm like, ah, I don't know if I can do it. And then I, I was like, well, Mike did Whole Foods. So I'll go to Whole Foods and I'll do it, which is just silly because they're both grocery stores. It doesn't make any sense why one would matter more than the other. But I guess knowing that you did it gave me the courage to be like, all right, well, if he did it in the Whole Foods, I can do it. So I went to Whole Foods, drove another 10 minutes to Whole Foods, went, walked in and I just sat down like in like near one of the aisles. And I was only, I only laid down for a minute and five seconds, but within that time frame, like three different people walked up to me asking me if I was okay. And one girl was like, are you all right? And I was like, yep, I'm good. And like, she didn't want to leave. She just kept standing there, like asking me questions. And then another girl walked up and she was like, do you need water? And eventually I was like, I had to tell them like, I'm actually doing a comfort zone challenge. And they finally walked away. But um, again, all of these, all of these challenges, the main insight I got from all of this is that most of the time, the anticipation of doing something that scares you is far worse than doing the thing itself. Like once I was doing each of these activities, I was way less scared and frightened than I was prior to doing it. So really it comes down to first, first of all, analyzing, is this a rational fear? If it's rational, then yes, you know, you want to avoid doing it. Like if obviously you should you shouldn't put your hand on a hot stove because that's just going to burn the shit out of your hand. Like you don't want to do that. But if it's an irrational fear and your, where your fear is disproportionate to reality, that is an instance where it can be beneficial to just take action without overthinking it because the anticipation and thinking about it and analyzing it and ruminating about it builds up more and more fear. And then it creates an even greater resistance to doing it. So just taking the action in spite of the fear and moving through the fear and leaning into it on the other side of that is growth. And on the other side of that too, is, is a healthy pride in your ability to confront and face your fears. Nice. Sounds like you're, you're having a lot of growth with these comfort zone challenges and I'm proud of you for doing all that stuff. It's not easy. Um, I, I remember when I decided to go sit down in the grocery store that, <clears throat> I don't know, like 20 minutes of because I had conviction, you know, I was like, I know I'm going to do this. And my body's like, no, don't do it. Cause it's fighting against the indoctrination of this society that says you need to, you need to fit in, you need to behave, you need to do these things or that. Why else would we get anxiety if we didn't have those indoctrinations? You know what I mean? Um, so it's very difficult to like fight through that and good job for doing it. Um, for me, I'm definitely going through my own, uh, my own comfort zone challenge at the moment. And the one thing that I can continue telling myself when I'm going through a rough time is this too shall pass. And on the other side of it, I will become stronger. And I, I know because here's the thing, I've gone through it before. And I know that's always the case. So for anyone that's like going through a tough time, if it, you kind of have to say this mantra to yourself, like this too shall pass. Um, but then also understand that it's just going to feel shitty for a while. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's, that's very normal. It's, it's your body's response to change, right? Like change is not comfortable. <laughs> that That's, that's the whole thing because your body gets used to a certain environment that allows it to survive. 
the second you change something, it's like, wait, wait, we might not survive if we do if we do this now, um, which is why that anxiety manifests itself. So it's, it's just really important to, to just go through these things. And, and, and that's it. And just remind yourself that, you know, with time, everything will get better, and you will get stronger if you, you know, don't distract yourself from going through the rough time. Because again, adversity makes you stronger. Um, you know, like doing the cold shower, it's tough at first, but then you and then afterwards, you feel great. That can just because it's a two minute cold shower doesn't mean there's any difference between that and going through a rough time that might take like one to two months. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's a good thing to go through, but like in the end, in hindsight, but it sucks to actually have the experience and that's okay. And that's something I'm currently going through. And the, the only reason why I know I'm going to get through it is because I have this mindset surrounding this. Um, that that's why I think you know just cultivating a a mindset, a resilient mindset that is rooted in logic, but then also an understanding of just how the, you know the human brain and emotions work in general. So yeah. Besides that, and the other thing is, even though I'm going through a rough time in my personal life right now. I'm still very blessed in other areas of my life, you know, I, 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 I there's, there's some people who, you know, are going through family deaths, you know, that's not something I'm currently going through right now. Um, and that's a very difficult thing to go through, to go through, you know, the death of just any loved one that is difficult, man. Um, and so I'm grateful I don't have to go through that right now. But even if you do go through something like that, you all like every single time I've gone through a family death, it has made me a stronger person every single time. Um, so that's kind of like the theme I'm I'm trying to, you know, beat the dead horse with right now is that um, when you notice that you're going through a rough time, just try to take a step back, you know, create space between stimulus and response and remind yourself that this is ex not only does is this exactly how it's supposed to be, but I'm becoming stronger as long as I can continue to use awareness and and understand that it's just all going to be okay because it usually always is, you know, because you know, Santi, you you've you've gone through some pretty dark times, but yet here you are and everything's going pretty well for you. Um and that's not to say that like someone shouldn't get help and that and they should just say, Oh, everything's going to be okay. I'm just going to be okay. Sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes people do need to go seek help. And I definitely encourage that. I don't want people to stray away from seeking help just because they're like, everything's going to be okay one day. And that also doesn't mean that you shouldn't be taking action. You know, you shouldn't just like sit there expecting things to change. Uh, action is very important um, in in catalyzing something to change for the better in your life. Um, but if you don't have that mindset first, it's really hard to to, to push through these things. So yeah, I I just want to talk about that because that's something I'm going through, and it it might it might um, directly 
impede how I how I talk in this podcast, but you know, that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's also okay. Um I'm just I'm very grateful that I get to do this podcast. I'm very grateful that I am where I am and and I I'm even grateful for going through adversity with the mindset that I do have. So, yeah. Yeah, and we were even considering not recording this episode today um, due to the current situation that Mike is in. We decided, hey, it's a conscious conversation episode. Maybe it can be beneficial and let's just run with it and see how it goes. But um, in life, you know, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be that contrast between positive and negative, light and dark, joy and fear. And it is really that contrast that gives us the full range of human emotions. I mean, think about how Think about how weird it would be if you never experienced fear or you never experienced grief or you never experienced anger. That would, that would be very, that would be probably a cause for concern. You probably have something wrong with your, your brain if you, if you went through your entire existence without experiencing those emotions. So as a human being, you're going to have a full range of emotions. Um, that's just part of being a human. The, the way to move forward with that is to make sure you don't get stuck in some of those places. You don't want to be stuck in a state of fear or anger or grief or pain or jealousy for long periods of time, because uh, that can just ultimately detract from you, you know, having a positive impact on the world and, and, and really being a productive member of society and sharing in good experiences with others. So if you do get, and I've been stuck in some dark places for very long times, and I'm not saying that, um, like it happens, but the, 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 I don't want to use the word goal, but the focus, I guess, should be on trying to figure out what tools you can use to lift yourself up out of it. Obviously for certain things, there's going to be an appropriate time to grieve or to kind of be in a darker place and process those emotions. But, you know, something bad happens to you and you're still grieving over it five years later probably means that there's some inner work you should be doing to try to release that and move forward with your life. Another way too of thinking about it is um, like the Dalai Lama talks about how your people who have empathy and compassion, they can view it as rather than, oh, this is my pain, this is my struggle, and everyone else has their own struggles and pains. Um, really, we're all sharing in, in pain, we're all sharing in struggle. And so you kind of think of, uh, you know, if, if your ego is like this small circle, this small concentric circle where you're focusing on all of your own problems, what you can do through practices that help to enhance compassion, empathy, and gratitude is you start to widen that circle of concern. That, that, that circle, instead of just encompassing your own individual life, starts to encompass the lives of other people, your friends and family. And then you try to expand it a little bit wider and it starts to, you know, encompass the, the pains and struggles of all the people within your community with all within all the people in the country that you live in, with all people in the world, and then not just people, but all live in sentient life. And so if you can try to practice compassion and gratitude and and, and um, spiritual practices that help to open your heart, you can begin to widen and expand that circle of concern. So it's no longer, oh, this is me living my own life with all of my own problems. It's all of us sharing in this in this human experience together going through it and contributing to the collective consciousness through our own unique individual experience. And through that, we can have empathy for others because there's a difference between empathy and sympathy. Sympathy is you can imagine 
someone else's is pain, but you've never actually gone through it yourself. So I can sympathize for a war veteran who had a traumatic experience at war. I can't empathize with them because I've never done that myself. But I can empathize with someone who is dealing with severe suicidal depression because I myself have gone through that. So every time you have a novel experience that is difficult or challenging, it is also an opportunity for you to experience more empathy for other people who either have gone through that experience or who will go through that experience in the future. And in that way, we're always learning, we're always growing, and we're always able to contribute more value to the collective whole and the well-being of all of the other people who are going through this thing called life. Um, so those are just some things. And then I'd say for, for in your situation, I mean, have you tried doing some breath work? Have you tried doing any type of like somatic type of exercises to try to circulate some of that energy and move through it? What have you done so far to, to try to process? Um, besides just sitting with it and just allowing myself to process it kind of with awareness, not much. I I've, I've meditated on it. Meditating on it kind of helps a little bit. It, 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 it almost helps with accelerating the processing process if that makes sense um which which i'm definitely going to start doing i definitely need to journal about all of this i i've recently stopped journaling but i think i might start up again because it's it's just a great way to understand what's going on in your head um and i know that it's really helped me in the past for understanding things and working through my emotions so I'll do that as well. I have not done any like somatic uh, breath work. If that is, is that what you, is that what it is? Somatic breath work? Yeah. I mean, by that, I mean something like a Wim Hof breath work or, uh, you know, some sort of activated breath work, fire belly breathing or whatever that can help to move some of that energy around and help you process it somatically rather than just trying to think through it. Cause you know, oftentimes if we're just trying to, we can use, there's kind of different ways to approach um, either traumatic experiences or adversity or difficult things that are going on in, our, in, on in our lives that is causing anxiety and stress. And so one of those methods is using mental frameworks, right? So an example of a mental framework was what I just gave with regards to trying to view it as widening your circle of concern and encompassing um, the shared struggle of all people. That's more of a mental framework that can help you to reframe it a certain way. Um, there's obviously many, many kinds of mental frameworks one can use, but then there's also just the actual physical somatic releasing of that energy and processing through exercise, through breathing. Um, I mean, there's, there's many examples, but those are just a couple. Yeah. There's, there's just, you know, it, it's just time at this point. Um, and Wim Hof is definitely a good thing. The, the other thing that I, I want to talk about though, is that like, there's so many other people who are going through like so many worse things than I'm, than I'm going through. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I'm going through a, a rough time in my personal life, but I still have everything. Like I still have all my needs met, you know? Um, so just constantly reminding myself of that situation and trying to be as grateful as I possibly can is also a good way to just like, put your, put perspective on it. So another, um, another topic I wanted to talk about today is related to finding one's purpose or practicing one's purpose. So I recently came across this 
concept of ikigai, which is a Japanese term that has to do with, uh, I think a translation is a reason for being. It's something that gives someone a sense of purpose, a reason for living, and something that makes someone's life worthwhile. And I found this, um, I haven't done the exercise around it yet, but I found this paradigm very, very interesting. And I believe it's going to be very helpful, both for myself as well as for people listening. So what Ikigai encompasses is a combination of four things. It's what you love, what you can be paid for, what you're good at, and what the world needs. And the intersection of these four things, what you love, what you can be paid for, what you're good at, and what the world needs is your Ikigai. If you can find those four things, you can basically essentially get paid to do the thing that you love doing, that you're good at, and that people need. If you can, if you can just do an exercise, and I plan on doing this this week, of writing down for each of those four areas, write a list of things, and then try to find something that encompasses those four things. I think that that can be a very helpful way to discover your purpose if you haven't done so yet. I feel like I'm at a point where I'm getting closer and closer to discovering what my purpose is, but it isn't quite concrete and clear yet. And it's been something that I have been struggling for many years. It's like, I know these are certain things that I love, but I don't know if I can get paid for them. These are certain things that like I'm good at, but I don't know if I actually want to really do that. These are things I can get paid for, but I don't love doing it. You know, or there are certain things where it's like, I don't think people would really value from this. So if you can find the intersection of those four things, you can figure out kind of what you may want to do um, for your life. And again, like we've mentioned before, there isn't necessarily one purpose you have. But when it comes to, to choosing a vocation, um, a job, a career, something that you're doing to make money, it's nice to have something that you do that you also enjoy doing that also lights you up rather than just doing it for the paycheck. Or vice versa, maybe doing something you love, but you can't get paid for it. And so, you know, you're stressed out financially, you know, that's also going to weigh you down in other ways. So your Ikigai can help you to supercharge your life in a way where you're in a great, you're in a state of greater spiritual alignment. And so things aren't in, out of congruence, you know, with your values and with what you enjoy doing. Because oftentimes people will be in jobs that they're simply doing it for the money and they don't really love doing it. It's not really in integrity with their values. And so there's this disconnect within themselves where they're almost denying or disowning a part of themselves in order to, to make a living. And it makes sense. I mean, it's, it's a difficult society that we live in. Uh, it can be very difficult to, to have everything line up. But I think that uh, I'm going to be trying this, this exercise in the near future and seeing if it brings up just more clarity for me. Because, you know, we're doing this podcast... I've dabbled with, you know, creating a personal brand. I know I'm extremely passionate about spiritual development. You know, I know what I love doing. It's just a matter for me of getting more clarity around how can I turn this into something where it becomes my main focus and I don't have to work a nine to five um, in addition to it. Because the nine to five I'm in, it's the values are good. The mission of the company is good. Uh, I know it's going to a good cause but it still isn't in full alignment with what I want to be doing. I mean, you're still on the right path, you know, because some people take a really long time to figure this out. And we've talked about this before, how if you don't know your purpose, then the best thing to do is to just work on yourself and try as many different things as possible. And you are bound to come across it, you know? 
it's it's almost impossible if you just try something new every single week and then you know continue to stay healthy to to embed practices into your routine and subconscious mind that make a healthy human being it's almost impossible to not stumble upon your purpose when you're doing that regardless of how long it takes so you know i i think you're you're slowly especially you because I, I know kind of where, where this is going. I know you like that you might want to do coaching. I know that you're very interested in psychedelics. Um, and I feel like there's going to be a marrying of those two in some way because you've been talking about it for a while. You're very passionate about that sort of thing. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say like, I, I know what your purpose is going to be, but I do see patterns and that's kind of like where I'm seeing it going. But again, that's, that's something that, you definitely need to figure out for yourself and what you are doing, you know? Um, and yeah, but you're right. It's, it's very important to, you know, have an underlying purpose in your life so that when adversity does strike, it's easier to deal with because you, you you're just like, okay, I, I know, I know what like my mission is. I know what, what I need to do. And if so things happen, like, you know, because life happens, and when that inevitably does happen, it's, it's a lot easier to get through because it, it's not, it, it might be secondary, you know, whatever happens might be secondary, but like the important thing is you're, you have this primary thing that you're working towards and that is so paramount in just any, any human life being fulfilling. Um, because like I said, inevitably stuff is going to happen that is not going to feel good. And if you aren't working towards something, I feel like it's very easy to just spiral. It's it's very easy to just if you don't have anything to do the next day, you know, if if you don't have commitments to just stay home and do nothing. Um but if you're you're required to be places and and you're passionate about going to those places, then you're going to put, you're going to find ways to make it work and push through it. So that's why I'm very grateful that I do know like my mission and my purpose in this life, regardless of how difficult I know that it's going to be to fulfill that mission and purpose. It's especially because of how difficult it is to become an independent artist in this day and age because of how saturated the music industry, how easy it is to have access to to computers that can make sounds and you know if you work at it for a long enough time can make professional sounds and you know you can become your own artist it's it's a very sought after profession which makes it even harder especially since ai is coming around ai is becoming a thing it it in china it has already made chart topping songs um and when that makes it to the west a lot of musicians potentially going to go out of business. This is probably going to happen within the next five to 10 years. So it that's when things get difficult. You know, when you have this purpose and you have this mission in life, but there's, there's, there's things outside of your control that may impede with that purpose, which it's also important to understand, which you've talked about before in previous podcasts, that you might have mul multiple purposes in your life, you know, D 
for me, it's like, yeah, music production, I'm very passionate about it. But if AI takes over music production, then like, what, what am I going to do? Just like wallow in misery that I can't fulfill this purpose? No, I'm going to have to find a different purpose, you know, and that's fine. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with that. Um, and it's just like another, another obstacle I'm going to have to hop over and that is life. Yeah, you could even argue that going through that experience would be the purpose in and of itself as a, as that next level of transformation and growth for your own soul and for your own spirit and ego and all that. So the purpose was to go through that all the way to find that, oh, this actually didn't work out. And then you transition and change to another path that will unfold at the time. Uh, if, if you are in tune and paying attention to the signs and having faith and trust in the universe and continuing to do inner work, those things will naturally unfold. There will be another option. But if you stay in a victim mindset and focus on the obstacles and the challenges and how you have it harder than other people and how it's unfair that these things change in a way that you didn't expect, then you will remain to be stuck. Stuck. So the the onus and the responsibility always lies within the individual, regardless of whatever is going on in the external world. Now, does that mean that some people have it harder than others? Yeah, of course, some people have it harder than others. But if you can continue to just focus on that, and that becomes your story, and that becomes your crutch, then you, it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy, and you'll just continue to perpetuate that reality. The only way to get out of it, to get unstuck, is to take responsibility and ownership for your life and make the necessary changes, regardless of how much harder you have it than other, other people. Because even if you're logically correct in your victimhood, you continuing to perpetuate that story and tell it to yourself and tell it to other people will cause you to remain stuck. You have to change the narrative, you have to change your beliefs, and you have to take massive action towards creating a better life for yourself. Because at the end of the day, no one else is going to do it for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, this purpose thing is something that I'm always thinking about. <clears throat> I'm always trying to gain more clarity in my life for what that could look like. But I am also at a point in my life where I do feel very, in a way, like, my purpose right now is doing exactly what I'm doing, which is increasing my sense of self-discovery and self-awareness and experimenting and exploring these different avenues and these different hobbies that I'm doing, the podcast, the TikToks, the different different other hobbies that I'm involved with, um, some directly related to spirituality, some not, not related at all. Um, but right now, my purpose is literally going through the process that I'm going through. If you just like some people are going to know what their purpose is right away and other people, it's going to take a longer time. But regardless of that sort of external purpose that we have in our mind of what we need to be doing, there's always that, the purpose that exists within the present moment, which is to take in each day for what it is and try to be as proactive as possible. So right now you could argue that my purpose is this process of discovering my external purpose, right? So there's there's purposes within the process of of discovering it just kind of a kind of a, a mind fuck in a way. But um, so I'm kind of just trying to embrace that, like embrace the present moment, embrace the journey. I have a lot of things this year that goals that I have, you're talking about making sure that you have commitments and things that you need to, to work towards and do. I have a lot of that going on in my life right now. So I don't feel this sense of um, meaninglessness or apathy towards my life. I definitely feel like I'm on the right track and I'm moving towards it. And it's an exciting journey, but at the same time, there's also that part of my ego that's like, ah, I want to know what it is exactly and do it right now. So there's this little bit of divide within myself, but at the end of the day, 
I definitely feel good about uh, the path that I'm on and where I'm going. But this this concept of ikigai, I think, is a really good one. Of you know, again, just to reiterate, figuring out what it is you love doing, what it is you're good at doing, what the world needs, and what you can be paid for. If you can get all four of those boxes checked off, then you're gonna be you're gonna be pretty good. Um, and I think you're gonna live a very fulfilling and satisfied life if you can if you can figure out what that is for yourself. I have a couple other a couple other things that we can I want to briefly discuss before we wrap this up. One is this idea of habits and not being too attached to certain habits. So you need to learn to be adaptable. And this is something I'm learning because for many years I live, I, so I basically had this whole spiritual awakening thing between 2015 and 2017. In 2017, I started making all these changes and I created all of these habits in my life and started to live a very, very disciplined life, which I still live even up to now although it's, it looks a little bit different than it was before. But I've, I've come to realize that certain habits that served me in the past no longer serve me. And it doesn't make sense to continue doing them just because they worked for me back then doesn't mean it makes sense to continue doing them now to the same degree. So you have to learn to reprioritize certain things. It can be easy to get stuck in certain habits, even if they're considered to be healthy habits or habits that are good for your spiritual growth. Um, you may want to change things up. You have to be in tune with where you are and look at constantly look with vigilance towards what it is you need to change in your life to really optimize it. So like I mentioned in one of the previous podcasts around the new year, I'm really looking to change my habits around, you know, being more out in the world, chest driving the car, so to speak, actually taking action, more external action. And while still doing the inner work, but also um, finding ways to relate to people more authentically, finding ways to expand my network, to create more meaningful friendships here in Austin and other things of that nature, instead of being stuck in the same loop of, well, I'm someone who is always doing all this inner work and reflection and spiritual disciplines. Um, it's You have to be aware of the season that you're at in life and when it makes sense to make changes. I know for you, you went through this recently with, you know, you did a year of a very, very rigorous abstinence in various forms. And then you finally realized, hey, it's probably time to, to change things up. So what was it for you that I guess sparked that decision to kind of start changing things up a little bit? I noticed that the self-discipline was not really making me happy because it, it felt like I was doing this thing because I had to do it. Like I was forcing myself to do it because I was like, oh, I need I need to become a better person. That was kind of like my mindset. And I think it's a like, I think I've talked about this before. It's a good phase to go through where you, you, you have a very rigorous routine and a lot of self-discipline, but I just realized it wasn't it, you know, it wasn't really fulfilling me really. And the second I kind of like backed off a little bit and I actually learned this from a shrooms trip. It's kind of funny. I, I gained a lot of insights from those, which basically told me that like, you're too routined. You need you need to take a chill pill, um, and that that's kind of what sparked it. I would say is is the shrooms trip where I realized that you know life, like I, I'm taking life a little bit too seriously. I'm taking myself a little bit too seriously, and that I need to like just calm down a bit and allow myself to enjoy life a little bit more. Um, so that's what I've been doing this this quarter. Um, I say quarter because I'm actually in school right now, but, um, you know, I recently started 
I, I'm not going to say I started drinking because that makes it sound like I, I drink every day. No. Um, I, I did start like including alcohol in my life though, again. And I used to be like vehemently against alcohol, especially last year. Um, you know, it has its pros and cons. It's, it's one of those things where tribes generally don't like get anxiety talking um, like between different tribes. That's how kind of like humans work and alcohol really helps bridge the gap between different tribes. And in a society like this, I can actually understand its utility. Um, so that's why I'm just like, I'm okay with it in moderation. I'm okay with anything in moderation at this point. Um, and if I'm being honest, I still haven't gotten over the fact that Alan Watts, like drink himself to death. Like th that's something that like really just puzzles me. I, I don't understand how a man of that stature who who's so spiritually uh, gifted, I would say, and and just like un and understanding life so well can fall to something like that. It's almost as if he was like trying to tell us something by doing that. And it's and which is there's nothing wrong with desires having the desire to not have any desires is an is a desire in and of itself. And that doesn't solve anything. So I guess the point is, have desires, you know, you're going to have flaws, that's fine. Like kind of like accept yourself a little bit. Don't take yourself incredibly seriously. And just like allow yourself to enjoy life sometimes maybe get like allow yourself to get lost in in certain things sometimes but obviously don't allow yourself to get fully lost you, you know it's one of those things where it's just like everything in moderation but sometimes moderation in moderation you know there's sometimes there's nothing wrong with like getting drunk like very occasionally just like at a party like with all all people that you love you know something like that so i guess i've just been i've been warming up to that sort of lifestyle of of moderation in moderation basically and it has been working for me i think i've been enjoying it a lot um however i have started doing more vedic vedic meditation type stuff which has actually been sending me in the direction of being more disciplined but it's just it's just ebb and flows man that's that's kind of how my mindset my life and just the universe in general works. I'd have to push back a little bit on the alcohol type of stuff, just because I think that a lot of people use alcohol, as you said, as a way, as a social lubricant to make them, to improve their ability to interact with people because it removes forms of uh, self, self-consciousness. Um, it, it lowers your inhibitions towards doing certain things and can make you, feel just more open to interacting with people. But a lot of times what's blocking people from doing that is social anxiety, which comes from past traumas. And so when you use alcohol as a way to cope with that feeling, you suppress it. And when you suppress it, it, it will continue to build and not be properly healed, released and processed in a healthy way. And so you're essentially kind of just kicking the can down the road and hoping that, oh, well, I'll just use this for now and just ignore this underlying issue. And I think a lot of people rely way too heavily on alcohol to do that. So my advice would be don't, if, if you're using alcohol to socialize better, I would, I would, my personal opinion is try not to do that 
try to release and heal the trauma that's associated with why you can't naturally communicate with people openly. It's, it's about intention. I think, I think if, if your intention, sometimes it's a subconscious intention where it's like, yeah, I, I have social anxiety and this helps versus I just want to have a beer to enjoy my time with my friends. So I think there's, there's, there's a line there where the, the intention really does matter but sometimes I agree with you. Some people are unaware of that subconscious intention that is that is there because of social anxiety. So it's it's important f- for people to you know be aware of that. That's why you know I took a year off so I could you know deal with a lot of the the social anxiety problems that I, that I had, and I was able to process a lot of that stuff. I still have some, you know, it, it's still there, but it's like it's really not like a problem for me anymore, uh, which is great. But at the same time, all I'm trying to say is like, you know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying your life. And sometimes like having a beer or like, you know, having a glass of wine is a way to enjoy life. You know, it, it does like make you feel good a little bit. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know? So, um, intention matters is what I'm trying to say. Sure. I think if you're having, a beer, a glass of wine, and you're with friends and family, you want to kind of just loosen up a little and enjoy what that experience bring. I think that's totally fine. Um, but you mentioned in the beginning, this idea of tribes speaking to other tribes and alcohol helping to facilitate that. That was more what I was talking about is if, if you're using that kind of just as your go-to whenever you're in a social situation, which most people do in America and, and actually probably most countries, um, that's something to be aware of because you shouldn't need to rely on that to feel like you can be your authentic self. Because that's what alcohol makes people feel like. It's like, oh, I can be authentic. I can feel comfortable being seen and expressing myself freely if I have this substance in me. Well, why aren't you able to do that without the alcohol? Well, it's because of all of this past conditioning and trauma that you've experienced that is preventing you from being able to open yourself up in a sober state. And so that's more of what I'm talking about. And also, um, you mentioned like, oh, it's okay to get drunk once in a while. I would argue probably shouldn't really get drunk. I mean, I think a light buzz is fine, you know, feeling it to a mild to at most moderate effect. But if you're getting dr- like full on drunk, there's just a ton of, of like alcohol is just terrible for you on a, on a purely empiric scientific level. It is not good. And so if you're getting drunk, you're destroying your organs, you're deteriorating your health. There's long-term consequences to that. And you are dumbing yourself down to a very, very unconscious state when you get drunk. Now, if you're having a a drink or two and you're getting a nice buzz going, I think that's fine. That's moderate getting drunk. I don't, I don't see any reason for that. Um, but again, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's not something that you should be doing all the time. Yeah. I'm saying, no, it's like, it's like a a very occasional, like if like once a year type of thing, I wouldn't even even get drunk once a year, but again, everyone has, everyone has free will and, and they can do what they want. I'm just saying like, if you're, I just don't like why why do you need to get drunk once a year even i don't see a purpose for that well there's no then in that case there's no purpose of drinking alcohol at all but being drunk is just being irresponsible it's just taking things to to an extreme i I mean i mean no not necessarily i would say taking something to an extreme level would be blacking out not remembering anything that you do um getting a little bit extra tipsy and you know just being a happy person and still remembering everything i and having that happen like once a year i i don't really see the problem in that 
<laughs> I guess everyone has different different lines of demarcation and and what they think is is appropriate for me. I just don't I just don't see it. I just don't see the value in getting yeah. drunk. I, I, I had that same opinion last year, like straight up, I did, and it recently changed because you know I just it's just like as long as you're not getting into a point that's like harming yourself and harming others, you know, like it's like yeah, it does. Alcohol is not good for you. It's really not good for you. Um, but doing it every now and then, it's it's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's like it's not going to destroy your organs getting drunk once. Per- it's it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're saying. I've just seen so many people in my life drink alcohol, and they they just so many bad things happen when people are drunk. I see it all the time. You see relationships get destroyed these people make stupid decisions it's so many of these things that happen in people's lives is the result of alcohol like oh i was drunk and i did this dumb thing i was drunk and i said this to someone i was drunk and i got in this fight it's like all i've seen it in my with family members i've seen it with friends i've seen it with acquaintances co-workers i just never see anything positive come out of alcohol i've never seen someone say yeah consuming alcohol that made my life so much better i had a spiritual awakening after i started drinking I had a major insight after I got drunk. I changed up my whole life. I've just never seen any positive lasting benefit from it other than just maybe the indulgence and pleasure you experience in that moment. And so I get it. It can be used as a way if used ritualistically or in a way where you're being very conscious, very, very conscious, like, hey, we're going to get together. We're going to have some wine. We're going to enjoy some time together. I think that can be great. But what percentage of people are really doing that? It's like maybe a fraction of a percent of the population uses alcohol in that way. And so getting drunk takes it to a level where most people, you get drunk, you start acting stupid. You start doing dumb things. That's just what I've seen for for other people. No, and I agree. And that's why I'm saying this is something that needs – the intention really matters. And you need to be aware and understand what your intention is. And you can't just like allow yourself to do this just because like for no other reason but like like i told you i i took a year off and now i'm including into my life again and it's because of this idea of moderation and moderation that's why like some like sometimes allowing yourself to like go a little bit a little bit beyond moderation you know which is which is what alan was talked about um but i i think very occasionally that it's fine I know alcohol is very bad for you and that most people probably should not, you know, be drinking alcohol. And, you know, I've seen the detriment that it's done in my life. I've seen the detriment that it's done in other people's lives. But for someone who, you know, is is very aware and, you know, maybe they're starting to realize that their life is a little bit too disciplined and they're taking everything too seriously and they're, you know, not entirely happy with what's going on sometimes it's fine to just indulge, you know, like, I I guess that that's what I'm trying to say is the occasional indulgence is, if (laughs) is actually kind of healthy for someone who's like incredibly self disciplined. And I know you're smiling right now. Because maybe for you, that's, that's like not it right now. Maybe for you, you want to be extremely self disciplined. And then that that's the answer for you. I just found that in my life, including um like more indulgent activities very like sprinkled you know sprinkled here and there as to not stray me from my path of like spiritual development but still allowing myself to enjoy life and take it a little bit less seriously is my intention with that sort of thing 
I'm I'm laughing because I'm just thinking of all the people who are using what you're saying right now as a scapegoat to, yes, Mike says I can, I can drink. They're going to start just drinking all the time. (laughs) Not say that. It's, it's about the mindset and the concept. If you have a drinking problem, please don't drink. Um, No, that's fair. And um, this actually leads very nicely into the very last point I wanted to make, um, which is assessing risk. So just a, a quick framework in terms of, because sometimes I struggle with like, well, is this risk worth it? Should I, a lot of times when financial risk, like, should I, you know, start this new business? Should I quit my job? Should I invest in this asset or whatever? One, There's two good things you can ask yourself. One is what's the worst thing that could happen if I decided to pursue this risk and then write them down. And then you'll usually see that it's probably not that bad. Um, if it is that bad, then maybe you don't want to do it. And then the other thing is evaluating the risk of doing something with or versus the risk of not doing something. So write down risk of doing something, drinking alcohol, risk of not doing something, not drinking alcohol. And if you do this exercise with alcohol, you'll see that the risks of doing it are far are far greater than the risks of not doing it. Um, but I'm joking around, but basically you can do this with any type of activity in your life or any decision you're trying to make is, you know, what is the risk? If I do this thing, what are the risks? Write them down. If I decide not to do it, what are the risks? Write it down. And then you can evaluate and compare the two lists and see, okay, which one has greater risk or which one am I less comfortable with, with doing or not doing? So that's a really good exercise that I just learned about recently that I think can be very helpful when you're trying to make big decisions in life that are, that seem risky or you have uncertainty around those things. With that, I think that's that's pretty much all we had today. Mike, did you have any last thoughts that you wanted to share? Adversity will make you stronger. Just keep pushing through it and remind yourself of the mantra, this too shall pass. And growth is literally all about just comfort zone challenges. You know, like you said at the beginning of this episode, that's that's literally all growth is. Change is discomfort. And if you can consciously do comfort zone challenges, then you're getting better at accepting change and embracing uncertainty. But sometimes it's going to be difficult. And if you can just remind yourself that this too shall pass and discomfort is growth, then you will be on your way. Well said. And for anyone who wants to join me on the next comfort zone challenge that I'll be doing in the future, I want to do this challenge called the Red Rose Challenge for seven days where I give a red rose to a random stranger every day for seven days. They have to accept the rose. If they don't, I have to find someone else to give it to. Um, I'm going to be doing it with the opposite sex, so women. But if you're a woman, you can do it with men or you can do it with the same sex if you prefer that, whatever works for you. Um, I highly encourage you guys to try these various comfort zone challenges and see how it affects you. See if, if it helps you to transform some of your limiting beliefs that you have and some of the fears, irrational fears that you have. And also, I know I say it at the end, it's in the outro of the podcast, but I just want to say on this episode, if you guys have any feedback you'd like to share with us, please send us an email at chasingpresencepodcast at gmail.com. You can also just leave any feedback you have, any questions you have. We'd love to hear from you and get a little bit more engagement from our audience. So please feel free to do that. We look forward to hearing from you. Much love and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Chasing Presence podcast. If you enjoyed it, please spread the word by telling your family and friends and by sharing it on social media. You can also show us your support by leaving a review. Also, if you'd like to get in touch with us, 
our contact information is in the show notes. Please send us a message as we'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. As always, thanks again for listening. Stay present and have a great day.